Welcome to Kikuchi Fest, everyone. Your one-stop shop for all things Yusei Kikuchi. Ben, he was awesome today. My goodness. Like, he was, not only was he dealing, he looked like, and I maybe this dates me, for better or for worse, but he looked kind of like a Power Ranger out there. He was doing some, like, acrobatics on the mound. Like, I think the uh, one of the very emphatic strikeouts I think the tip of his blue and white shoes almost got up to the brim of his cap, essentially, after one of the deliveries. Like, he was, there are not enough superlatives I can I can heap upon Yusei Kikuchi. He was awesome. He was great. And, and before anyone writes it off as, hey, you're only facing the Oakland A's, the team that has the worst offense in Major League Baseball, remember that Jose Barrios did allow a few runs uh, when, when facing Oakland uh, yesterday, one of those was unearned. Uh, Chris Bassett allowed a bunch of runs for uh, against Oakland when he was facing them on Friday. So it is not plug and play. It is not automatic that you are just going to pitch a shutout or seven innings of one run ball the way Yusei Kikuchi did. Give him full credit for executing uh, against this lineup today. Absolutely. He looked phenomenal. Welcome to Jay's Talk. We will continue discussing Yusei Kikuchi and continuing discussing the 12 1 win. For the Blue Jays, they finally turn in a laugher of their own to wrap up the series against the A's before an off day tomorrow. I'm Show Ali. That's Ben Nicholson-Smith. Jays Talk is on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We are on Sportsnet.ca as well. We're taking your calls. The phone line's open, 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cellular device. 590-590 is the people's text line name and location please and the people's text line like i always say is always open ben you say kikuchi the final line for him seven innings pitched two hits one run which was earned it was a tony kemp solo home run two walks eight strikeouts he had a he threw 101 pitches and he had 15 first pitch strikes that is terrific his season era is actually now down to 3.75 i think like the last time it was this good I think he was an all-star for the Seattle Mariners. He's been great. I mean, this is just exactly how you would have drawn it up. Coming out of spring training, there was a lot of hope that he could have a bounce-back year. And I think at the same time, a lot of people who watched him struggle in 2022 had their questions about whether he could really deliver on that promise and all of the work that he had put in over the course of the offseason. What we are seeing 16 starts in is that it was more than hype. The hype was real in spring training, and Kikuchi has been an integral part of what's happening here. Again, at a time that they only have four starting pitchers, they need every one of those four starters to be somewhat consistent, and Kikuchi is providing consistency and really some high-end results here. I see some texts here. Uh, I see one here from, well, actually, there's no name on this one, but this one simply says, fantastic outing from Kikuchi today. So happy to see him rebound from a rough season last year. David and the Six says, another, you say, Koufax performance leads to a series win. Uh, You already know about the uh, OMG Jays versus the AL East faction of the pitchfork horde will be the same ones whining about the failure to sweep the lack of the athletics, whatever, onto the Giants. Alden from Scarborough, I think I'm close to purchasing a Yusei Kikuchi jersey. This team looks great when they can score more than two runs combined with five or six from their starter. And uh, Mike in, in Halifax just says, uh, great start from Kikuchi. Made it a nice and easy day for the pen. Glad to see him and the team dominate the A's the way they are supposed to. And I think, I've said this before, like, you, you don't always get 
wins against teams you are quote-unquote supposed to get. Right, Ben? Uh, we saw that on Friday, and as you might imagine, the, uh, the, the calls for Blair and Barker on Friday were not eh, particularly positive, let's say, but I, and I totally get that. Uh, having said that, it is nice, especially with the other teams in the AL wildcard race kind of sort of scuffling of their own of, of their own accord. It is kind of nice to see the Blue Jays take care of business on their own end because they always say, right, you can only play the teams in front of you. So it's nice to see the Blue Jays actually, uh, you know, making some hay here. As they had to against the Oakland A's, I mean, this is a great opportunity. You don't get many chances like this because usually, you know, you're either facing a team that's just good uh, objectively or sometimes maybe you face a team that's not playing well in that moment but they have a lot of talent or the other way around the Miami Marlins or the Pittsburgh Pirates when they played the Pirates maybe they didn't go into the season doing all that much but they were playing well at the time so the point being this is an opportunity to win at least two of three they should have swept Friday was a winnable game but you take two of three and it was in large part to Kikuchi, who I will say loved the takes from the uh, text line there. You say Koufax may be going a little far for me. <laughs> I'm not, I don't think he's uh, – give him another, like, uh, five years of uh, outings like this, and then we can start with that. But uh, it, it certainly was a good performance. Yeah, he was – to kind of wrap up on Kikuchi, he was – like, he carved these guys like, like a turkey for, for most of the game. Like, he was – it was interesting, right, because he was at a very efficient – 56 pitches and six strikeouts through four innings. And I thought that was already by itself great stuff for a guy who, like, just usually doesn't always go past five innings. And obviously he did just see six innings in Miami. So he was kind of wondering, was that – and John Schneider referred to it after that game in, in, in on South Beach, but he said that that was probably his best outing of the year. And then he basically sh- turns out today with an even better outing. And I, I do think, as the game went on, Ben – the like the the A's probably did see him a little bit better, right? Like in the fifth inning, some very loud outs right to the warning track. Uh, he walks the first guy. The first batter of the sixth was a Tony Kemp solo home run. But still, I mean, e- e- even without these very slight blips, he was so on and so dominant for most of the day. And I think I've said this before many times about Kikuchi this year, Ben. But he just like just from a almost like a mentality standpoint, just looks on the mound like he is a thousand times more confident than he ever did I think at any point last year yeah and I think he's having fun I mean he certainly looks like a guy who's enjoying it which is great I mean Major League Baseball comes with a ton of pressure and even today 12-1 final score but for the time that Yusei Kikuchi was on the mound it was a closer game he was pitching in leverage he was pitching in spots where he didn't have a ton he had a little bit but he didn't have a ton of room for error and yet he seemed to be enjoying it so that's a great sign, smiling in the dugout with Vlad Guerrero Jr., enjoying this moment as he really contributes to this Blue Jays team. That is Ben Nicholson-Smith. I'm Show Ali. You're listening to Jays Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Let's go to the phones, 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cellular device, 590-590 is the people's text line. It is still open, still some time to give us a call or shoot us a text. But on the phone line, Chris from Brampton joining us here on Jay's Talk. Chris, what's on your mind today? Hi, show. It's my pleasure to be able to talk to you for the first time, although I haven't been able to get to you any time before. Anyway, I commend you and your Sportsnet colleagues for the great work you do. My wife Thank doesn't you. understand how it is the Sportsnet 590 from 6 in the morning until whatever time at night. 
All right. You guys do a great job. Anyway, what I want to ask you, I listened to you last night. I couldn't get through. There's a question I have on Nate Pearson, right? You did say last night that you don't want him in low leverage situations, only high leverage situations. My question, though, and inform me, please. I thought he was signed to be an the starter. Am I correct? I think definitely initially, I think when the Blue Jays drafted him and they, they, they picked him up to bring him into the farm system, I do think you're right that he was it was initially planned for Pearson to be a starter. But it, as far as I understand, it does not look like that's uh, necessarily in the cards anymore. Not right now, but that's why I said to myself, but wouldn't you want him in low leverage situations to build up to a high leverage situation, Joe? I got you. Okay, Chris, I appreciate the call. Thank you. I, I actually, I see where I see what he means. I, I, I don't think it's a, it's not a terrible idea in a vacuum, but I do think, and Ben, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because you're, you're down at the pitching complex sometimes in Dunedin, and you're around him a lot, certainly a lot more than I am, but it feels as though the ship has sailed on Pearson being a starter. Yes, I think that's accurate. Um, thanks to Chris for the call. Great to hear from a dedicated listener. Yes. That's awesome. Um, awesome. Yeah, I think with respect to Pearson, um, it, he really is a reliever at this point. Maybe it's two innings, maybe it's two and a third, but essentially a reliever. Um, there can still be so much value in that role. And as for the question of leverage, I think it's really like any pitcher where you start them in low leverage. If they start pitching poorly, it stays low. If they start pitching well, you start getting bigger spots. Yeah, I th- and I think and when I when I was talking about Pearson yesterday, it was also that we hadn't seen Pearson since the Rangers' appearance and the uh, Marlins' appearance. And in both of those appearances, I think he only got one out against the Marlins. He got hit pretty hard. And he's a young guy. You know, I was kind of making the case for I'm, I'm actually I was actually glad when they brought Pearson in yesterday that they didn't ask for a second inning from him, even though it was a pretty efficient outing. They probably could have gotten a second inning from him because he's pretty good. But ultimately, they did not ask that from Pearson. And I was kind of on I was on board with that because I don't know. It's, it's kind of just nice to get a guy out with a clean inning. He goes out there, pitches pretty well. He sits down, feels good about himself. And you can kind of build on that from there. So I, I totally get Chris's point because, in theory, you could also do that and build him back up to be a starter. But I, I do think, given the presence of all of, and I'm going to include Alec Manoa, but all of Alec Manoa, Kevin Gossman, who signed to a long-term deal, Chris Bassett signed to a long-term deal, Jose Barrios <laughs> signed to a long-term deal, like you basically already have four of five spots signed long-term. So, again, in theory, you can make that fifth spot a Pearson spot. But it feels less likely because I think they, they seem to really like having a 100-mile-an-hour arm come out of the bullpen and set guys down. There's a ton of value in that, and there's also just a bit more certainty in being able to do that for 25 pitches, 30 pitches, as opposed to 100 pitches. It becomes so hard to repeat a delivery um, to do that over the course of a season. Being a starting pitcher is really, really tough. That's why the Blue Jays only have four of them now. If they could snap their fingers and make Pierce, make Nate Pearson a fifth, they would, but uh, they're working with what they have, and it's been a challenge to get Nate Pearson consistently starting and, and taking on that workload. I would also just, and I, this is not a knock on him at all, it's just he has run into quite a bit of uh, injury troubles, unfortunately. I just, I think I would be wary of trying to make him into a five, six inning guy when he's had the extensive injury history as he's had. And I know like some of the injury history was like mono and it's like, how are you going to really prepare for that? You can't, right? But 
and I would I would make the argument you can't prepare for any injuries. Unfortunately, as you know, as much as these guys put as as much of work they do into their bodies, but yeah, I, that, that's probably why where I fall on the Nate Pearson thing. But, but I'm not complaining about him because he has been by and large phenomenal for most of the season. I see a text here on the text line, uh, Ben. Uh, do you think Kikuchi should go to the All Star game? It's Jason from Fort McMurray. I think he should. That's from uh, Jason as well. You know what? Like I, if. There are a lot of really good pitchers in Major League Baseball, certainly in the American League, and I, I'd have to go look at he's, – he's not, he's not he's going to be the starter or anything. But when you get past the starters that are the obvious picks, like a John Gray or a Nathan Uvalde or a Shane McClanahan or a Garrett Cole, a Kevin Gossman, who is almost certainly going to be an all-star this year, even if he's not the all-star starter for the American League, if you look at the re- like everyone else they're going to kind of fill out the pitcher side with, I think you – could make the argument Kikuchi could get in there. Maybe, uh, maybe if maybe if someone decides not to go and you squeeze Kikuchi in there. I think you could make the <laughs> argument. Man, this is a tough one because you know you say Kikuchi pitched so well today, right? We don't want to take anything away from that. Now, should he be an All Star? In my opinion, no. And I hate. I wish I could say yes, but Come I just. On, I, I, ben. I'd be lying. I'd be lying <laughs> if I said I think he should be an All Star. I just he he has filled a role for the Blue Jays. He's been an integral part of what's happening. Uh, All-Star, I mean, it's that's a high bar. That's a really high bar. I mean, look, last year, you never really know what happens with All-Stars. It's, it's a little easier for position players, too, because of the way the voting kind of takes part of that. And with pitchers, that it matters less because you just don't vote for pitchers. Otherwise, ev- otherwise the Blue Jays would probably send, like, 15 guys to the All-Star game literally every single yeah. year, <laughs> which I think is a, a big part of having an entire country vote for one team. But... Um, it is uh, definitely good. I'm not going to complain about the, what we've gotten from uh, Yusei Kikuchi. I see a text here from Colette in Brampton. Wanted to give a shout-out to George on his milestone second-place leadoff home run today. He is such an asset to the Blue Jays' success. And, yeah, George Springer hitting a leadoff home run on off of, I guess it was Luis uh, Funky Cole Medina's second pitch of the ball game, he's now, like like Colette says, a second all-time leadoff home runs. He had come into the game tied with Alfonso Soriano. He now holds the second spot all to himself. 55 leadoff home runs for George Springer. Of course, Ricky Henderson stands atop that list with 81 leadoff home runs, which is just absurd, frankly. But it, it was funny. I His second A.B., I was kind of like, eh. Come on, George, like, take a pitch or two because the, the the bases were loaded and he grounds into a double play. Now a run came in to score. So one run with the bases loaded is certainly better than zero runs with the bases loaded, so I will take it. Um, I, you know, he was – Medina was having a, a tough time locating the strike zone, so I would have perhaps liked to see him just take a handful more pitches. But you know what? Ultimately, in the end, he, he ground, has that run come aboard with the bases loaded, and then he also has a sack fly a little bit later on as well. So – George Springer, definitely integral to this team's success. Someone had actually called in yesterday, Ben, to ask me about, like, if if two, I think it was Giacomo and Windsor, if two of three of George Bowen and Vladdy are going, can the, can the Blue Jays ride those three, or two of those three, to the playoffs? And I definitely think the answer to that question is yes. And in my opinion, if those two are, Bo, I said if those two are Bowen and Vlad, then you're, you're laughing probably most of the time if they're playing very well, but... George Springer has been scuffling for a large part of the season, so if, if he does start to turn it around here or continues to stay hot, then I think the Blue Jays will be in an even better spot. No doubt about that. And really since the start of May, things have turned around for George Springer. He's been 
an important offensive contributor, and that really continued today to Colette's point with a, a big leadoff home run to get things going, added a hit later in the eighth inning, had a sack fly, had a walk. So he was contributing really throughout the uh, the afternoon here, and the Jays need him. He's a very, very important part of this team offensively and even defensively. He is, and I think and I, I remember that we, you and I talked about this at one point or another during maybe the early part of the season, and I think it was the question was, is it fair to ask more of George Springer now that he is not being asked to play center field and like, like offensively at the very least because less defensive responsibilities to a certain degree uh, in right and he has been and he was DHing today but uh, that's what you you're seeing him out there in right field more often than not so is it a valid question to maybe want more from him at the plate and then it just unfortunately coincided with he was sick for a while he was injured for a little bit and then and then just on top of that he was scuffling so it was not wasn't those heralded of starts for Springer but if he can round back into form it's true if you're if you're going to keep having him bat lead off and throughout all the scuffles and all the two run games the Blue Jays have poured in here Ben they haven't taken Springer out of the leadoff spot unless he has been like either getting a full day off or unless he was just sick for example right so i don't think that's going to necessarily change anytime soon yeah exactly he's been someone who if nothing else i think what the right field move does for him and he's barely played any center if at all this season um, but by moving him to right field to me you don't expect more as far as his on base percentage or his batting average or his slash line but i think it just means he's in the lineup more it's a right. little bit less wear and tear so maybe that means that he's in there today um, as a DH instead of full day off. And I think that those extra days in the lineup can add up, and that's the vision uh, that the Blue Jays have and part of the benefit of having Kevin Kiermeyer patrolling center. I think that's also why if I had to go out and like, you know have a shopping list for the Blue Jays at the trade deadline, I think certainly the bullpen, the bullpen for any contending team could always use some kind of augmenting, certainly. But I, I think that's probably why I wouldn't mind seeing a fourth outfielder be like the main bat that they go out and get. I don't even think it really matters if the guy's a lefty or a righty, frankly, like at, at this point, I think like, that's why I, I've been, I've said before, like you, you mentioned Ramon Laureano. I've actually said Brent Rooker. I don't know if both those guys are just going to stay in Toronto after the, <laughs> no, this year. no, probably not. But I, my, my only point in bringing up the outfielder is that kn- knowing that Springer is going to be in the lineup a little bit more and that, that probably does make it, little bit less pressing to have Kiermaier in there every single day, even though you do want to see him in there as much as humanly possible. And you know what? Today we got a great look at the value of a great defensive center fielder. I'm not here to crap on Asturi Ruiz because he's a talented young player, but he made playing center field an absolute adventure. I, I shudder to think of what A's talk is saying about Asturi Ruiz right now. Oh, A's talk. That's got to be quite a listen. Uh, <laughs> we'll spare you uh, <laughs> what that might look like. But, uh, yeah, I think it's a good point. It's a good point, Show because Ruiz really looked totally overwhelmed and overmatched in center field. And in contrast, we've seen such good center field from Kiermaier and Varsho this season. That stability is, is part of everything. Because, you know, an under-discussed part of this game is that Oakland was not good defensively and yeah. the wild pitch that allows a run to score, the double plays that aren't turned, all these things add up. And and really, this series, they were not sharp in those ways. It's not a surprise. They came in here as the worst team in baseball. And so, yeah, no shock. They, they struggled to play a crisp game defensively. But we can take it for granted because major league teams are so good. And so it is pretty rare to see that lack of polish. And
frustration to see those plays not made. But Oakland uh, certainly gave us a look of the other side uh, of that coin today. There was a text on the text line, Ben, 59590, name and location, and still some time to shoot us a call, 416-870-0591, 590 star 590 on your cell. But this came in just before the end of the ball game. It was, uh, again, no name on this one, but it just says, Hi, show. I just wanted to say how impressive the bottom of the order has been recently. Perhaps an unsung hero. And, you know, I think that's fair, and especially in this ball game, a lot of contributions from certainly from Kevin Biggio, certainly from Santiago Espinal, and definitely from Kevin Kiermeyer. Now, you, are you kind of like with Chapman, you know what you're getting defensively from Kevin Kiermeyer, and he showed it off again today. And I think, again, I think some of the plays that Ruiz did not make, if Kevin Kiermeyer was out there, or even maybe even a slightly less talented defensive outfielder, some of those plays probably are getting made in terms of route to the ball and so on. But, I mean, Kevin Kiermeyer, there was a, the triple in the sixth inning. I I honestly thought it was going to be an inside the park home run because when the ball came into the infield, uh, the uh, the the relay guy, I'm not sure who it was, might have been the second baseman, might have been the shortstop. I don't exactly remember, but the, he dropped it. He like dropped the ball, and Kiermaier was rounding third. So the guy would have actually had to stop, bend over, pick up the ball, locate it, throw it to the the catcher. And Kiermaier is speedy enough that those kinds of plays might very well be, uh, might not always be made. So, I mean, look, they, it was it was close at that point that they probably wanted to exercise some caution and not necessarily send the guy and maybe guarantee a, a run with a sack fly, which is basically exactly what happened later on. But I uh, was kind of hoping we'd see the Little League home run. It would have been so fun. And, and I think it would have been scored a home run if he had been able to make it all the way around. He was comfortably around third base. Like, it wasn't only a stand-up triple. It was a stand-up and round third base triple. So it, it was on the borderline there, but with nobody out, I'm not surprised they decided to hold him. Uh, I wanted to get to Kevin Biggio as well. Um, it's a guy, a guy who doesn't play all that much. Ben, you and I have talked about him a lot, but... He has strung together a few good weeks of pretty good baseball. Maybe even a good month, dare I say. Like, he laced the ball to right field early in the game to get on base. And then his final appearance at the plate is the three-run bomb to right field. He's now actually hit three home runs in the last ni- in his last nine games. Not the Blue Jays' last nine games. But in his last ga- nine games played, he's now hit three home runs. And you could like probably make the argument that he hit a fourth with that weird play of the ball that went over the foul pole in Baltimore. And like you couldn't, kind of couldn't really tell if it was a home run or not. But, I mean, I think I'm at the point now, and I'm curious where you are. And I, I think I've been there for a couple of weeks now. But where I just I feel okay about Biggio being in the lineup more often, being on the field more often. He plays all over the place. You see him at first and second a lot. He was in right today. So there were calls to, like, DFA Kevin Biggio at the beginning of the season. Even if they do go and add another bat, I, I don't get, I don't think Biggio's going anywhere. Uh, yeah, I think there's value in him. He is certainly not the last guy on this roster, uh, certainly someone who can do good things, especially, you know, you have a right-handed pitcher who doesn't have command in Medina, right? So that's the kind of situation where, yeah, Kevin Biggio – Put him in there because he'll work a walk. He'll make sure that uh, a pitcher is throwing it over the plate. Um, there are certain matchups where you like having Kevin Biggio. And again, on a day where George Springer needs to be off his feet, all right, Kevin Biggio can play some right field. So there is value in that. It has definitely been a good last month for Kevin Biggio. Even if you look at the season numbers now, like they're not great, but they're, they're kind of what you expect from a bench player. Um, and there's certainly more upside beyond what he's done because his first month of the season was so tough offensively. 
this might legitimately be or end up as one of his better seasons, perhaps since his rookie year. Like I have to go back and look at the year over year over year data, but I mean he and he was phenomenal as a rookie, I would say. But you know, since then it has been again less heralded uh, seasons for him. But this season he has been pretty reliable, especially in the last couple of months when called upon. So I expect that gives the Blue Jays Bijou a lefty bat, a lot of a lot of different options you can throw out there uh, when needed. You know, Ben, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll go back to the text line and see some more texts on Yusei Kikuchi. We'll hear from John Schneider as well. He just wrapped up his media availability. And, again, still some time to give us a phone call, 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cellular device, 590-590 is the people's text line. And it is always open. Still some time to shoot us a phone call or a text. You're listening to Jay's Talk, Show and Ben on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Yeah, I mean, I think that's good for anyone, especially him, um, kind of carrying over. You know, it's kind of been all year, you know, when you look back to spring. But, you know, I think just him kind of evolving a little bit too. Curveball, great pitch. Changeup was a good pitch today um, to kind of keep hitters off of the slider and the heater. But when he's convicted, I mean, I think he forgets sometimes he's got 96, 97 in the tank too. But um, he's, he's in a good spot right now after his last two for sure. But he's been, he's been pretty consistent for, for a good while now. That is John Schneider discussing Yusei Kikuchi, who had seven innings of phenomenal work as the Blue Jays take down the A's 12-1 to to wrap up the series here at Rogers Center. Day off tomorrow means the Blue Jays get back in action on Tuesday. Also here in downtown Toronto as the San Francisco Giants and Ross Stripling come to town for the first time this season. Welcome back to Jay's Talk. Show Ali, Ben Nicholson-Smith with you. Still some time to give us a phone call, 416-870-0590, 590 star 590 on your cell. 590-590 is the people's text line, and it is always open. Before we go back to the phones and back to the text line, let's quickly get to the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can bet on things like player props, totals, or game outcomes across many different sports, plus play responsibly Ontario only well Ben every team in the American League East not named the Boston Red Sox won today uh funnily enough the New York Yankees were losing to the Texas Rangers for much of that game they were up I think the Rangers are up two nothing and then three to two for basically most of that ball game the uh Yankees do come back in the end they win five to three Harrison Bader had a two-run double in the eighth inning, and Giancarlo Stanton added uh, an RBI single for good measure. So they do end up winning that game 5-3. to three. The Baltimore Orioles hang on for a 3-2 win over the Seattle Mariners. The Rays break a late tie uh, with the Kansas City Royals. They win 3-1, and the Boston Red Sox, as mentioned, get outdone by Luis Robert and the Chicago White Sox in Chicago. Uh, Luis Robert having two home runs today for the White Sox. So with all that said, here's how the standings watch wraps up today. Tampa Bay with the win, they are 54 and 27. Orioles with their win, 47 and 29. Yankees with their win, 43 and 35. Blue Jays are now 43 36. So they're half game back of the Yankees and the Boston Red Sox with the loss are 40 and 39. And if you're curious with the AL wildcard race still going on, everything's still pretty tight. Uh, as I mentioned, the Blue Jays are a half game back of the Yankees. They do occupy sole possession of third place in the wild card race. They are a half game up 
on the Los Angeles Angels and a full game up on the Houston Astros. The Houston Astros are playing in Sunday Night Baseball tonight against the Dodgers, and the uh, Angels are playing right now. They are trailing the Rockies 4-2. to So if you want that lead to grow, you are a Rockies fan for the next hour or so. And hoping that it goes a lot better than it did last <laughs> yes. night. Yes. Uh, you know what's funny? Real quick, uh, Ben, did you, did you see any of the Astros-Dodgers game from last night? I didn't. Well, I saw the balk call. Okay, yes. You saw, you did see the balk yes. call. I wasn't watching the game, but I saw the highlight. Oh, my goodness. I, I got. Can I just say, so <laughs> Ryan Stanek gets called for a balk with the bases loaded. A, 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 a run scores. That ends up being the game-winning run for the Houston, uh, The pardon me, the Los Angeles Dodgers. They win, I think, 8-7. to seven. I only bring it up because if you haven't seen the highlight of Ryan Stanek Getting off the mound after the inning was over, he like he was he was PO'd, but he still waited until after the inning was over. That is as close to I think like a heel in wrestling busting down the door and being like, "You you messed me up, you!" Ah, yelling at a guy like, "My goodness!" I thought I honestly thought he was going to cut some kind of promo there, and then the TV cameras like cut to the umpire with his like hands in his armpits, like kind of scowling at the guy. It that was phenomenal baseball. I loved it. Well. And I did not like the Bach call because I have to agree with Ryan Stanek on this, that, you know, he stepped off. You're allowed to step off the rubber. And I think it distracted the umpire because it Stanek raised his arm a little bit. But that was not a motion toward home plate. And he was not trying to deceive any base runners. So if we were doing Astros talk, then uh, <laughs> things would have been pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. I think I would have been pretty fired up, I think. If, I think we both would have been. But um, still, phenomenal uh, theater, let's say, from uh, from Stanek as the Astros do lose that game. All right, let's go back to the text line, 590-590, name and location of all Toronto's show. Just like the Fawns on Happy Days, you jump the shark with your Kikuchi all-star take. He does lead the majors in home runs given up. So Paul agrees more with you, Ben, and not with me and Jason from Fort McMurray. Well, I uh, I take no delight in saying that I don't think Yusei Kikuchi is an all-star. I, I, I just I just don't. So, yeah, I, I have to agree with Paul on that one. Uh, there's a good text here from Joey in North Battleford. Joey just says, Vlad just needs to stay relaxed. Relaxed Vlad is a dangerous Vlad. And then someone else, there's no name on this one, but it just says, is anyone else not surprised that Victor Martinez was in town all weekend with Vlad and he starts to rake? I think there there is, I, I don't know for sure, because I'm not like they're listening to what Victor Martinez is telling Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but there would definitely seem to be some kind of correlation between a former uh, runner-up to in the American League MVP voting, a, a five-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, at least being around Vladdy. Having said that, it's also possible that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. just turned things around on his own because he's a phenomenally talented player. But it is good to see things, perhaps the, the worms start to turn for Vladdy. Yes, and it's also good to have Victor Martinez around. I'm not drawing too many lines between these two things because, you know, if it were that simple, you know, then every hitter on the Blue Jays lineup would be doing great because Dom Mattingly is their bench coach. And, you know, <laughs> you bring in Edwin Encarnacion as a special advisor in spring, and then here's another, you know, home run for everybody. It's not that simple. You cannot just surround a hitter with great hitters and have them hit even better. You need the execution to happen on the field, and Vlad Jr. was able to do that all weekend here against the A's. No, the only reason I draw at least like a, a dotted line, perhaps, between them is because unlike Don Mattingly, Victor Martinez didn't, like, he didn't retire that long ago. It's not like Don Mattingly played, and like you're saying, he's a 
phenomenal baseball player. No one's uh, no one's gonna argue with that. But Victor Martinez played baseball like in Vladdy's lifetime, yeah. like when he was like a when he was probably like a teenager or whatever, right? So I think I, like that's probably the only reason I do think maybe there is like at least some small thing to be said for having a guy who is a part I think or, or more a part of modern baseball than like Don Mattingly would be. Um, but then again, like you mentioned Edwin Encarnacion, and he didn't necessarily like uh, was his presence felt enough for example I, I don't really know what his role was in terms of being around the Blue Jays hitters in the same way that Victor Martinez was but I mean if if there is a role for Martinez and he wants to be around the team more I mean I'm not gonna so who, who's gonna say no to that this is a guy who is like a two-time silver slugger yeah Victor Martinez has had a great career uh, and certainly someone who's capable of helping um, it's always hard to measure what those contributions look like and you know the special advisors um, you know, even a guy like Vlad Guerrero Sr., of course, who, uh, who had a Hall of Fame career. Uh, there are a lot of people who are able to advise Vladdy Jr., and ultimately it's on him to go out there and produce and, yeah. and take advantage of the advice, including the really good advice that he has coming his way. Well, on Vladdy in, in today's game specifically, so no home run. He did not home run, hit a home run for the third straight game, but he did lace one into center field so hard that, again, Ruiz had a hard time corralling that ball. Uh, he does not get an RBI in the play because they scored it uh, uh, an error on Ruiz, but uh, more great hitting from Vladdy a little bit later on, right? He pummels the ball to right field. And then he dives into second base, kind of like he's like trying to, like a running back diving over the offensive line <laughs> to get into the end zone, essentially. Um, and then he tacks on a late RBI as well via the fielder's choice. And just for me, even beyond the runs, obviously you want to see runs scored from arguably your best player, but it's just good to see the approach, Ben, for Vladdy just staying consistent. I remember we, we, you and I went down to the, the manager's meeting yesterday, and I think it was Ben Schulman who asked Schneider about. You know, what do you say to Vladdy? He finally hits a home run at Rogers Center for the first time. But beyond that, like, what do you say to him? And he said it and he reiterated it in the uh, in the post game. But he basically said, I told him not to budge. Don't change a thing. And we have seen too much this year, early in the year, and probably a lot last year, too, him expanding too much when he's at the plate. So good to see him laying off because people always say Barker says this all the time. The book is out on Vladdy. People a heavy dose of low and away to Vladdy. And he is. Being more patient, he is not swinging as many at as many pitches. So it's just it's nice to see the approach stay more consistent. The approach has been there. That's really important. The execution has been there on the on the misses on on the pitches that get too much of the plate. He has been crushing those, like you said, some really good contact today. And I do agree. By the way, he would be a fearsome red zone running back. Just get him in there, fourth and inches. No one's stopping Vlad. No, absolutely. I, I kind of agree. He'd be hard, hard to bring down, I think. You'd probably need a couple of uh, linebackers to, <laughs> to bring someone like Vlad. He's got an arm, too. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, multifaceted. He doesn't get to show it off at first very much, but he can really throw. He can. He absolutely can. It's good to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. get back uh, and off the schneid, let's say, because he, he – I've said this many times, but the team goes as Vladdy and Bo go, and Bo has been – going basically all season and if Vladdy can also get going at the same time it's there are going to be a few teams that can stop the two of them when they're playing uh this well I wanted to get to um the Tyler Heineman injury real quick with you Ben because he leaves unfortunately the second day in a row where a Blue Jays player leaves with some kind of injury late in the ball game yesterday it was Jimmy Garcia with right knee discomfort we'll see if uh if, if it's if it's uh, uh an injury that requires 
more from uh, in terms of roster moves, whether it's a Zach Pop promotion in the not too distant future. It's probably coming anyways, right? Like even if they don't put Garcia on the IL and they were to send Trent Thornton down, I don't I don't think that this, that's necessarily a bad thing, regardless. But uh, there's that, and then today Tyler Heineman leaves mid AB. Danny Jansen works a walk on the remaining. I guess it was two pitches of that AB. So good to know that Jansen is still is still capable of coming in on a day where he was expected to get the whole day off, basically, and, and, and work a walk. But because, and you mentioned this on the broadcast with Ben Shulman, but Kirk is not eligible to come back until after the Giants leave town, which is on Thursday. So if they do happen to need some catching depth, like I did a lot of the spring training Jays talks, and I, we were talking a lot about Rob Brantley. He has got to be the guy who is l- most likely to get the call. I know some people will think, oh, could Dalton Varsho get the call? I, I have a feeling Dalton Varsho will never catch again, honestly. I, you know what? That's a that's a bold take, but I can get on board with that take. I can get on board with that Dalton Varsho take for sure. Now, as for who would come up, and so, okay, so we don't know what the extent of the uh, injury is for Heinemann. We do know that he grabbed his left side, mm-hmm. uh, kind of his lower left back area. So is that back? Is that oblique? Um, hard to say. We do know that oblique injuries, when they happen, can often last for a, a matter of weeks. Yeah. You know, four to six weeks is a common timeline. Again, we don't know exactly what's happening with Heinemann. We just know in general terms um, that those those can be injuries that are tough for hitters as they swing. So um, where does that leave the Jays? Brantley and Stevie Berman have missed time injured at AAA. Jamie Ritchie is the guy who's been catching the most at AAA lately for the Blue Jays. Could he come up? He's a guy who has not played in the major leagues before, um, so that would be a reach. And they have 48 hours right now before their next game against the San Francisco Giants, so that is a possibility that they could look at as far as claiming someone, making a minor trade, trying to find a way to backfill at this point because there's a chance that they will need someone to compliment Danny Jansen pretty soon. Yeah, I think I I don't know that you necessarily want to have Danny Jansen – catching every single game all the time because he's also someone who's had some injuries here and there. I don't know that you want – you just don't want to put it all on one guy, especially when that guy has already missed time with injury this year. That's not to say I think Danny Jansen is going to get injured again because obviously you can never really predict these things, but he – and he's talented enough that he can obviously be the everyday catcher if, if it was a – if they really needed him to. But for a team that, like, at, at times carries three catchers, I, I, I would – be almost surprised if if it is a lingering injury for Heinemann. I would be surprised if they didn't call someone up. A hundred percent, they would they would have to for sure. And I think either way, Jansen probably starts. I mean, you might just start him three in a row against the Giants. It's very possible. You yeah. know, after the off day and after the partial off day today, you could do that. That would be fine. Um, and then Kirk comes back, and then you're rolling. The question isn't so much who starts; it's who's available off the bench just in case, and who is that contingency player. So. Is that Heineman? Like, could he catch if needed? If so, no roster move is required. Um, otherwise, maybe you run into a situation where you're adding someone to the 40-man roster, and that's going to be one of the big questions for the Blue Jays ahead of their next game. Yeah, I, I, I think they will probably wait a little bit before they have to make any decision because of the off day. So you probably won't see any roster moves happening until maybe until like Tuesday afternoon yep. is probably what my guess is. But um, either way, I do expect some kind of roster move to be coming in the not-too-distant future, whether it is Jimmy Garcia to the IL, Tyler, Tyler Heineman to the IL, or uh, Trent Thornton sent down, Zach Pop promoted. There are a lot of ways they could they could go. But uh, with Canada Day approaching and no penciled-in starter, I, I'm, I'm still betting 
Chapman, that it'll be a, a Trevor Francis start, a combo of, of Trevor Richards and Bowden Francis. And we saw Richards get loose today. He didn't appear in this game. Bowden Francis did. So I would, I would expect that combo has been pretty serviceable. So I'm thinking that probably is going to be what we see on, uh, on Saturday of next week. I think that's a very reasonable take, the kind of reasonable, well-thought-out take that we have come to expect from you on Jay's talk. <laughs> I think some people want me to be less reasonable sometimes, but um, you know what? It's worked out pretty well so far. Uh, Compared to the person who said, uh, you say Koufax, I think it all sounds reasonable. <laughs> and and I, I like that take, by the way. I just think it's, you know, it's a little out there, but it's a fun one. And, and after a fun day of baseball for the Jays, why not? That has been Nicholson Smith. I'm Show Ali. BNS, uh, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for sticking around with me. You got a show. Thank you. That has been I Am a Show. Thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, brought to you by Crown Rust Protection. Now that summer has arrived, it's road trip season. Make sure your vehicle is protected from rust with Crown. Visit crown.com for a special summer offer today. Crown, Canada's number one rust protection. For Ben Nicholson-Smith, Ben Shulman, Tom Young, Connor Lamont, Armand Zargaria, Nick Blackmore, I'm Show Ali. Thanks for being with me on Jays Talk, a 12-1 win for the Jays to wrap up this series. Blair and Barker have Jays Talk on Tuesday for the Giants series. I'm back next weekend with Ben Shulman for Canada Day. The Red Sox are in town next weekend. Can't wait. We'll talk to you then.